0: Hey folks, John Hammontree here. You know, maybe this will shock you, but sometimes I screw up. Today we were supposed to have an interview with Grant Lynch, the outgoing chairman of the Talladega Superspeedway, about the track's 50th anniversary and its importance to the South. We talked about Will Ferrell and Eric Church and Dale Earnhardt and everything. And it was a whole lot of fun, but before we wrapped up, I accidentally knocked over the recorder. And, well, wouldn't you know it, it corrupted the entire file. So, oops. But, y'all are such a great audience, and I didn't want to leave y'all hanging this week, so I went back through my files to find, well, another time that I screwed up. And this was one of the first interviews I ever recorded. I sat down in Huntsville with a well-read comedy tour. You may know Trey Crowder as the liberal redneck, he has a bunch of YouTube videos, they have an album, they have books, and he and Drew Morgan and Corey Ryan Forrester are some of the funniest, sharpest comics in the game. Well, when I sat down with them in the green room before their Huntsville show, we had such a hilarious time talking, had so much fun that I didn't realize the sound levels were spiking all over the place. So here's the thing. This interview is a lot of fun. They interviewed me about Reckon, I interviewed them about comedy and everything. But I'll warn you, it doesn't sound as good as some of our other episodes. Even with the excellent team at Edit Audio trying to help me clean it up, well, like I said, sometimes I screw up. But if you give it a listen, I think you're going to enjoy it, and I promise that next week I'll be back with a brand new episode of The wreck Interview.
1: Well, here we are. Here we are. In Huntsville, Alabama. In the at the Green Room. the Green Room Stand Up Live Comedy Club down here. With Mr. John Hammondtree welcome. Thanks, welcome. Well,
0: okay, so tell us then what Reckon specifically is. Uh, Reckon is is a home for in-depth and investigative journalism, but also kind of big picture ideas about everything that's going on in the South. So when we named it that, it's kind of like, you know, the South needs a reckoning, but also, you know, if you're reckoning something, you're kind of thinking about it and pondering it. So we launched in 2017 as a Facebook page where we brought in AL.com journalism, but also journalism from We do Readvertiser, Washington Post, New York Times, anything, anything that we felt like if you live in Alabama or the South, your life would be better off if you knew this information. We just started putting it into one place. And then we found like, oh shit, a lot of people are really interested in this stuff. And so we put together a team in AL.com uh, reckon Team, and we just started making uh, videos, podcasts, newsletters, uh, investigate investigative journalism, and um, we've had a lot of success. Yeah. So you said since 2017, has the mission been the same since the beginning? Uh, you know, we started it in May of 2017, and then in the fall of 2017 is when the Roy Moore, Doug Jones election was going on. Right. So for a brief period, you know, our mission was kind of like making sure everybody kind of knows the truth about what's going on there. And one of our reporters actually ended up identifying two additional accusers of Roy Moore. And um, then coming out of there, it was kind of like, okay, well, we've gotten onto a national radar in, in a big way. And so part of our mission became You know, smart stories about the South, but also we can change the uh, national perception of the South and let people know that, you know, what's going on down here. Um, That's not our primary audience. Our primary audience is definitely the people who live here, but that's a nice sort of side benefit. Yeah, we kind of feel the same way, I think. Yeah. Related to what you
2: said about covering that particular election, I can imagine very easily people that are in my family (laughs) hearing what you just said and see. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The media's biased. They went after that guy because he's a Republican. And that's what they always do. And I can't imagine how frustrating that is because, as you said, your goal there was to get the information out there. I mean, your job was to interview those accusers, especially when other media might not be. Sure. How do you combat that, or do you just not worry about it and try to just do your job?
0: Yeah, our job was not to go after Roy Moore because he was a Republican. Our job was to find the... The story, truth, you know, right? To get it out there, and you know Alabama has a long history of not trusting national media. And, sure. And the Washington Post broke that story. It was very easy to just say, "Yeah, that's the Washington Post. They're just trying to rig our elections." Blah 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 blah. So our thing was, all right, well, we yeah. know that's not true because we called up all of these women and we talked them through it, and let's just put this all out there and let the voters decide. I mean, the newspaper did end up endorsing. Doug Jones in that election, newspapers make political endorsements, but that's the editorial side, and so there's a difference between the reporting side and the opinion side. But yeah, no, I mean, particularly today, it is hard for people to view reporters as anything other than unbiased. And I mean, in a state like Alabama or most of the South, I think part of the media's mission is to hold government officials accountable. Of course, yeah. In Alabama, all the government officials right. are Republican. Right. So right. If the yeah. government officials were Democrat, we would be holding the Democrats official.
1: Yeah, if there was yeah. some kind of something with Doug Jones that you'd become aware of, I've got some tip or something about him doing something like...
0: Don't put that in the universe. But, uh, well, you <laughs> get my point. Like, <laughs> whoever, you would, you would, yeah, like, you, know, you know, you'd run back to ground, too. Yeah, of course. We've, we've traced right. down a lot of Doug Jones stories. He, you know, there's some Cases that he prosecuted that um, were controversial and stuff like that. And then, you know, in the gubernatorial election last year, we, we pursued any leads we had on the Democratic candidate. You know, there's just not a lot of Democrats in Alabama, so we don't report on them. Sure, yeah. Um, so, but there there definitely is partisan media in Alabama, but it's top radio. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. And it's partisan for the other side. Do you feel like it's easier for you? You sort of touched on this being from
2: here. Like, do, like you said, it was easy for them to kind of wave off the Washington
0: Post, but when we started doing it, so do you get a little bit more, I guess, credit? I think local media, I think that, that we it was harder to dis, dismiss us out of hand. And then my thing is, you know, I, I got lucky and I got to do a lot of national TV while that was all going on. And my, my thing was always like, I'm going to go on there and I'm just going to try to explain what's happening to my dad and just pretend my dad's the one watching it on the other side of... Fox News or CNN or whatever. I think and most Fox, of our fans can like get that. that, but what do you mean, like, lose your dad, not like literally? Well, he's just, I mean, he, he's from Nashville, he's from Alabama, so he's, you know, like, I think that there are some people particularly who went on there and tried to say, oh, well, you know, I'm embarrassed about the South or whatever, and talk to a, a national audience. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who are wringing their hands, and then there were some people trying to go on there and say, oh, well, it's not actually that bad, <laughs> in fact, the first time I was on TV. I was super excited. I was like, "Oh man, this you know this is gonna be really cool," and I was supposed to be on CNN, and they had me and this other journalist from Alabama. And he works for Bars and Site, and he he goes on first, and she starts interviewing him. I think it was Brooke Baldwin, and he says, "Oh, well, it's not that bad. Like it'd be like if he if you stole a tractor, you know, 15 years ago, and." suddenly people said you weren't eligible to run for office for it, and it's like, <laughs> so I, I got bumped completely, because she just wanted to focus on the Alabamian who compared sexual assault to track tractor. Dealing a tractor. You got right? bumped and, completely? No, well, I mean, she spent the whole five-minute segment talking to him, and I jumped on at the very end and said, uh, well, there are a lot of us down here who know, you know yeah. it's not the same thing. Um, oh. And so, you know, you want to... You want to present the best possible face. Well,
2: on that note... It's like fucking having the guy on, uh, you know, for the um, hurricane, yeah. the tornado, who's the dumbest. They're like, let's put him on, you know. You're it's good right. TV. It, it is, is good TV. But yeah. it's well, how- good
1: TV, it's successful TV. Kind of right. Obviously, you're... Okay, first of all, where are you personally from?
0: I was born in Memphis, but we moved to Birmingham when I was six.
1: Right on. So you're from Alabama. Yeah. Obviously, you're very aware of, you know, Alabama's sort of uh, perception yeah. National, right, in the South in general, but specifically lately Alabama, because it was Roy Moore, and then you know, and even though they got beat and everything, and then we and now we got the the abortion law and all that.
2: It's like you guys have died for every documentary about how bad shit was, right? Right. So,
1: so how a just as on a personal level, as so much from here, uh, how do you feel about that? But also, b how much do y'all take that kind of thing into consideration at Uh, Reckon or at AL.com, like, do you talk about that aspect of it much and try to combat it at all, or do you just kind of...
0: You know, for the most part, the reporter side of things, like the Washington Post, do a pretty good job. Like, they did a good job with the uh, Roy Moore story. But the columnist side of things, and the talking heads on TV, they do a horrible job when it comes to talking about Alabama. You know, any time if a if an officer-involved shooting happens in denver colorado they're not showing clips from denver on tv that night they're showing 1960s clips from alabama (laughs) so you know of course that can get frustrating because alabama has its fair share of problems and we do our best to uh report on everything that we can but we do kind of become the country's scapegoat or like Mental playground of just all the terrible things that happen, and I mean, y'all are in Huntsville; you were in a Pride parade today. Mm-hmm. That those stories don't really make it onto the national right. radar. Well, well, that's what a bunch of people were commenting like, "God damn, I can't believe they're actually having a
1: Pride parade in Huntsville, Alabama." And I'm like, you know, I'm Alabama the hosts? No, yeah, I'm, uh, just yeah, on any of them. Because well, like the Alabama part on, but like you know, that means you just don't know shit about Huntsville. And they don't. But like, I got?
0: I mean, all I, at least five cities in Alabama have yeah. a Yeah, I it's mean, also frustrating states. because
2: to me yeah, that is usually liberal white people yeah. from places like Colorado oh, or New yeah. York California. want yeah. racism to be something that they can geographically isolate in their minds no way so that they, they have no culpability in their own right.
0: neighborhood I mean one of y'all said it on y'all's book I think that like you know when white people in California are like, oh, I don't want to go to Alabama, that's dangerous. You're going to be fine. Yeah, You're a white dude. You're going to be fine literally anywhere in the
2: United States that you go. Well, the quote, I think, Roy Wood Jr., talking about something like that on his special, like, yeah, there's certain cities you have to stick to, but there's more cities in the South that a black person's going to feel safe. Yeah,
1: Uh, I just read the other day on Reddit, it was just, you know, it's just some random party they posted, I think looking for advisors, I don't remember, but what she said was, she's a black woman, who had just moved from I want to say like Minneapolis or somewhere like that it was something like Northern City right she had moved from there to uh to Atlanta because no wait it's the opposite she grew up in Georgia and had just taken a job in this northern city at some big like corporate office or whatever Mm -hmm. and she was talking about how uncomfortable she was there because uh, there were no other (laughs) black people anywhere it's all white and she just wasn't used to that because in like how they all would identify as like definitely not racist, but still say this, like, ignorant shit because it's, they're, like, fascinated by a yeah. person or something oh, yeah. and how it's making her very she's uncomfortable. like a, like a zoo And she's time. like, you know, and I've never dealt with anything like this in my whole life, and I'm just, you know, I, I, and it's weird for me, and I remember reading that thinking, like, this is a perfect example of, like, what we try to tell people where all that shit is concerned. Like, we've never said that the South is not racist or doesn't have a problem with racism. It's that it's just not the way the rest of the country acts like it is that like, they, they ignore all their own bullshit to act like we're the only ones for, that are perpetrating how it.
0: much I mean and if we are four white dudes sitting around talking about it, right. you know they, I think that People don't realize how far stuff has come it in cities like it's insane. I mean, been,
1: I mean, even in our lifetimes, we're you know, we're all relatively young dudes and like yeah. in my lifetime it's insane how much things have changed, like for the better, as far yeah. as all that wow. goes.
0: And to get back to the first part of your question, you know, when I was growing up in high school, my whole thing was I mean, you know, you live in Birmingham, you're surrounded by all of the shitty stuff that Birmingham has done throughout history, constantly reminded of that. And so my thing was, all right, I wanna get out. So I moved up to Chicago and then I got to Chicago and constantly people were just saying shit about Alabama and I found myself defending them all the time. And so then I moved back down to Alabama. And since then I moved to DC and I moved to San Francisco. And every time I move away, I find myself wanting to move back. And so there's always that kind of like push and pull. i just I
1: met a random person in New York recently talking to, and she brought up to someone else and I just overheard it that she has a nephew that she's really worried about. She's like he's grown up in this whatever you know, this like Jewish family in New York his whole life, but then he went to college at Auburn in Alabama. Well she's like, she's like, and now, about- she's like and now he's uh he's just saying all this crazy stuff, like the just racist, all righty type thing whatever. And I wasn't even part of the conversation. And I said, I was like, that has nothing to do with Auburn, just so you know. Yeah. I was like, that's on that dude. Like he went that's there to find did. those people yeah. to yeah. be that way. I was yeah. like, it had, Auburn is a college. College is fuck Auburn. But, you yeah, know, it's, no, it's not, not Auburn's fault. Well, we got a Georgia fan and in and I yeah. right here I'm fine so, with them. Uh, see, we
2: always have to tell like we do our shows, and it's like usually they say, "Oh, religion and politics—that's the two things you can't talk about. That's all we talk about in our show." Not true, but like we yeah, we no, do no, that. But yeah. college football,
1: no, it's we, we yeah. bring it up, everyone just starts screaming. We're We're this, We're yeah. I said, I was opening a joke last night and I mentioned that I was from a small town in Georgia and some dude in the back yelled, go dogs. And as much as it goes against everything that I believe in, I refrained from go dogs and back to him because I knew that it would create complete pandemonium in the crowd. So, I, you know, I, I went against my honor, but you literally can't do all it. All right. Well,
2: speaking uh, of controversies, yeah. and defend White Sauce. What? Alabama white sauce. Uh-huh. I, white
0: sauce? No, I, do. I I love, love this. I just want to hear. Well, you know, oh, you know, well, Look, y'all did a whole section in your barbecue. I know. Menu. That's on made And left white sauce. Dude, now, in, it didn't uh, uh, it out. Like, in my, you mentioned uh, it like in
1: defense. It is the Bill
2: Hayball of Lord. In my defense, it, it, like, in, in my defense, that's an inside joke. It didn't look like. Glad you do that. That's an inside joke. I'll you later. That
1: they know about. Alabama white sauce. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't been around for a very long time, but like it didn't really reach. National prominence till a few years ago. Yeah. Am I wrong? Like, it hasn't always been a thing. So, like, I ain't fucked with it that much. And then, yeah, I glossed over it and I'm a piece of shit and I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, you did. And it, it sucked. It hurt. <laughs> no, it, but there, you mentioned it like five minutes later. I was listening to it. And we tried to stay by the way of anything
1: too white in our book. But <laughs> <laughs> there, was already, there was already three white dudes talking about how we should be better. And I was like, let's just leave the sauce out of this. One.
0: <laughs> but no, nobody's going to pick it as the best sauce and Alabama has hey, it's nice because it's got like in the middle of all of the sauces so you can get a little bit of what's your favorite what's my favorite yeah. style like style yeah carolina me too Yeah. that vinegar baby also, the, had, the best single barbecue item item i've ever had say it was, say it uh, say it oklahoma joe's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. my favorite my
1: favorite meat thing is the burn but style Overall, is vinegar. You're nailing it, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, I
2: like the hickory style in Kansas City of the sauce, uh-huh. but that's it's ketchup based pork. Though. Yeah, I like, yeah, ketchup, I like ketchup, 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 but that
1: smoke based. up, but that pork
2: flavor from uh-huh. Carolina with the vinegar. You gotta have that. You I can't kill like that combination.
1: A of good, a, I a good good. barbecue sandwich should make my jaw hurt for like a couple. I don't know of why it is this way, but for whatever reason, in my hometown in Tennessee, Salina, Tennessee, which is like on the very western edge of what you'd even call East Tennessee, it's yeah. no, it's not near North Carolina. It, it, barbecue there is, like, it's Carolina style. It's vinegar-based and it's pork, whatever, and it's always been that way. Yeah, and so, like, I, like, grew up on that or whatever, and so it's just always been
2: well, that it, way you know why?
0: Isn't most of Eastern I grew up that way, too. Okay. Down the road in Decatur, uh, Witt's barbecue is vinegar-based. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of vinegar-based sauces in Alabama. There's not a whole lot of, like, ketchup-based sauces right. in Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I
2: didn't, I just, you know...
0: But, you know, most places you go, they're going to offer you a White sauce and uh, red sauce. <laughs> I like it when they get White more than one. Mostly for chicken, I feel like. I okay. don't really put it on the board. I like, I'm a sauce man, so I want more than one myself. Um, what I wanted to talk about is uh, I know y'all get this question a lot, but I don't want to ask to compare yourselves to the blue collar comedy floor. What I want to ask more <laughs> broadly is what's the difference between a comedian from the South? And a southern comic, because nobody ever asks you all to compare yourself to like Tig Notaro or Ellen DeGeneres. So I said, southern comic versus a comedian from the south. I personally
1: think that there's all kinds of comedians from the south, and but a lot of them don't. You know, they drop their accent when they were like, uh, you know, teenagers, probably or early twenties or something, and they just don't generally even talk about being from the south for the most part it's not like part of their uh, persona or their actor or whatever which is fine by the way but for a long time the only any comedian who did have the accent or did talk about being from the south so it was like part of their thing they mostly fell under this, a similar type of umbrella the like blue collar style or whatever you want to call yes. it which by the which way, is also no, great love.
2: and is a testament to how great Foxworthy particularly and big of a shadow that he cast is I mean one thing that frustrates me as a southern comic is no I'm not we're not the blue collar if you come see our show you get that there's a lot of key differences but people are always like I mean and the reason that it that it was the way Trey explained it is people felt like and the industry felt like you were either going to be Foxworthy or right. you didn't need to have that accent At you didn't all. need to talk about Greybeats and, also- and that's frustrating to me I've talked to like, for example, like black comedians who talk about how like Chappelle cast this shadow. Before him, it was Eddie Murphy. Before him, yeah, it's yeah. like they got you know a, a lot of people do get pigeonholed, and there's those big shadows. It seemed to me though, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it seemed to me that our guy was the only guy though that was like considered hack or Yeah, because right, it right? had the accent. That's, it, it. And that's yeah. so frustrating. You know, it was like, don't no, be Eddie Murphy, but it was like, yeah, I'm not Eddie Murphy, but you want me to be. But we were getting like. You know, if you had an accent, you're Foxworthy, and that's dumb. And I was like, "Yeah, you know one joke of his, yeah. and that and is big...
1: fucking great. But, <laughs> it was great. Oh, yeah. no, of course. Like, Can you imagine being known worldwide for one fucking yeah. joke? So I'd murder everyone in this room for that. So, and then the thing that also frustrates, oh my God, frustrates me as well, is that when people make that comparison or ask us that question, it's always said in a way that is like people either like y'all or they like the well-read or, or they yeah, like the Blue absolutely. Collar Comedy yeah. Tour like there's no possible way that anyone can like both right. of those things that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever and heard and, and it pisses me off because I real. fucking love those guys and they were huge inspirations yeah. to me and my theory as to why
2: is because Larry the Cable Guy became probably the most famous one definitely the second most famous one and he's conservative I think that is the only reason that people do that in their mind. Maybe yeah,
0: yeah. you can go into a grocery store now and buy Larry the Cable Guy.
1: Yeah, but also, I mean, they look at his act as dumb and like I hear you, and I mean, I know what he was trying to do, but like that motherfucker is a great joke writer. Yeah. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you like those types of jokes. It really doesn't. He's great and he's funny. That dude sells out arenas. You don't do that consistent. You might have a good year and pop and do some stuff that maybe you don't deserve, but he has consistently been doing that since it's Blue Collar 1 and I refuse to hear about, oh that dude fucking sucks and I hate you know thinking that we're the antithesis of that it did not make any sense to me no I listen to you
0: jokes and their albums yeah and I mean and there's a better a of that. no it's not better <laughs> it's but, so much better but there is really I'm good I joke alcohol. about Floating down the river, pissing on yourself. I think yeah. i that every time. Yeah, the yeah. Right. everybody got mad at me when I did it. Of course, I was standing up in a canoe.
1: <laughs> but yeah, just basically to directly answer your question, you can be a comedian from the south and fall under any, any kind of like comedy style or whatever. But southern comics, for the most part, are the ones that you know you can tell they're from the south immediately, and they talk about it whenever else. And it's just for a long time we felt. They all were a similar type of thing, and then we wanted to be explicitly southern, but without being that type of thing necessarily.
0: we like had to. Who's the most underrated southern comic
1: of all time? In your, yeah, of all time. Right now, it's uh, Roy Wood Jr. Roy,
0: uh, uh, yeah. We'll do that. And, uh, a few weeks ago and he's, 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 now, he's such an, an absolute time. monster. He's hilarious. The
2: reason he's underrated because people if you've heard of him you're like he's on Comedy Central. He's got it's because he's one of the three best doing it at the moment. Yeah, you're right. He's doing right. And he's <laughs> underrated because he should be acknowledged yeah. as one of the two or three right. best doing it and he's not in my opinion because everyone who Thinks about those things, or writes about it, focuses
0: on Netflix, and he just happens I, to be a country. Guy. I think that when you ask the average Joe off the street to name five Southern comedians, they always name Mike Johnson the, right. the most most underrated. Yeah, but Roy is Southern as hell, man. Like it's
2: yeah. like, why is that not the greatest Southern band of all time? Cons- you know? he's top two.
1: Considering Roy is you know achieving a lot of success, I won't name him as the most. He, he's the most underrated alive. With the in all time to me is. Tim Wilson he's a guy who was my hero Uh, he's one of the reasons I wanted to get into stand-up comedy he's unfortunately passed away but he was a guy who I mean classically got in his own way but he if that guy's voice could have reached the national platform more often then there wouldn't be as much talk about everyone from the South is stupid. And then Because he was one of the most brilliant men that I ever met, and he was country as fucking cornbread as well. And then, but he was absolutely brilliant.
2: And then I'll follow that up with the original liberal redneck, uh, the guy that Trey and I bonded over when we were very young comedians, Stuart Huff. Yeah. We've said on our own podcast, and to anybody who will listen numerous times, you know, that's the OG, that's the inspiration. He's so funny, and he's so smart, and he's super Southern. You know, yeah. I mean, Stuart's got all these great
0: jokes about, you know, his life growing up in Kentucky and and traveling around the South, so, you know. Now, I mean, when you're doing comedy in New York or L.A. or even Atlanta to some extent, you know, you can get a different open mic every night. How do you get good at it in Knoxville, Tennessee?
1: Uh, Well, weirdly, uh, Knoxville, for the size of city that it is, when we were like starting out, actually had a fair number of uh, stage time opportunities for a city that size. I mean, one time they was there was some kind of mic or something like five nights out of the week or something like that, and then and then outside of that, if. You know, you what you drive to Chattanooga, or you drive to Nashville, or whatever. You I know. was
2: driving to Asheville there at the end before, yeah. and then this is another thing you can do. You know, I moved to New York. Yeah,
1: right. right. I'm a big sellout, so you know. And then I, I moved did get up. <laughs> I moved to LA. So now, I, I move back, and <laughs> then moved to yeah, LA, and now you And down. now that I think about those days, like driving from Knoxville to Chattanooga, or driving from Chattanooga to Knoxville to do the shows, actually took about the same amount of time as some of the train rides I used to take between. Mm-hmm. York and yeah, oh, dude, I live in LA. I mean, cat couch. Exactly. yeah right but like it would still take it would take me as long to get from yeah my apartment in Queens to like 739 in Brooklyn as if I just hopped in my car and drove to Knoxville to be
2: clear for your listeners when he says my apartment in Queens it was the apartment of two girls Corey lived in the living room he had a curtain he lived on a couch with a cat the cat was his roommate and at the very end Corey had me convinced that the cat wasn't real it was a figment of his imagination
1: that represented his comedy career and he was going to throw it out the window <laughs> all of that is accurate and I want speed a single bit of it.
0: <laughs> now, is it different? I mean, you, you broke out really doing videos. Yeah. And that, I mean, you're not hearing the live right. laughter. Right. Uh, how do you hone comedy, you know, I mean, just, it's this didn't this. Uh, hits, this, hitting, this uh, I mean, you mean like when you're making videos like
1: making that? I, ha- I mean, I have to just hope, trust my own comedic instincts and hope. Like, I have, yeah, I think this is funny. I hope other people think it's funny too. Because you're right, you can It's not. It's not like stand up where you can like go try it out and see how it goes. Like, I just have to believe that it's funny and leave it in there and hope that people
2: think it's funny for the most part. And I don't think, I hope this isn't insulting, I don't mean it, I think the accent and the unexpectedness of the phrase liberal redneck when you first popped helped a lot in terms of getting eyes to you. But I think you're right. Once people came to you, like, yeah, all right, buddy, this better be funny, funny, right? And that was all on your comedic skill. But I do think the hardest part is getting eyes on you. There's a lot. I, look, I did come to New York. There's a lot of people who I would go up with every night who were very funny. But it's like, how do you get eyes? Yeah. On?
0: Well, and I, I was listening to this interview with Bo Burnham back when Eighth Grade came out, and he was talking about. I mean, he kind of hit at the very beginning. Of YouTube, he's like the yeah. first YouTube star right. I can remember. remember the well, before yeah. He was on even got yeah. on it. Yeah, and uh, well, I think like a teenager, it's like now there's too many people trying to. Right. Move. Yeah, audiences on YouTube.
1: I mean, you played it at just like the right moment. I don't think. I, no, I don't think my timing. My timing was good. Luckily for me, that did not plan it at all. But for other reasons, I don't think the timing as related to the landscape of internet yeah. comedy or whatever really had anything. Because I feel like by the time that I went by in 2016, there were very. It was very much already oversaturated you know as far as people trying to be funny on the internet goes I I think that can work in your favor though sometimes like if there is a tremendous amount of shit when something truly shines you're like oh thank god you know because it'd be weird for me to say I wish that they wouldn't let so many people do that because if they (laughs) didn't this wouldn't happen but I think those people just if you suck you typically don't stick around because you're not going to be successful unless you're somebody that just you know got your parents money and you want to do your fucking YouTube show but at the same time don't watch it I mean that's I'll say this too, and I think this relates to what Trey was getting at about why the
2: timing was good for him for other reasons, and one day when all this falls apart and he leaves us behind and becomes the Judd Apatow of the South, I'll write a reveal all book about it all, because I've observed this, stuff probably like, there are a lot of internet acts, and some of them break and they do comedy tours and all that, and I'm sure sometimes it's fine, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. We were getting good at comedy. I'll say to Corey's credit, he had been good at comedy for a while. I feel like we were getting good at comedy in terms of 20, 25, 30 minute sets at that time. Maybe I should just speak for myself. Like, when Trey asked me to go on tour with him, if he he had broke two years earlier, I would have struggled in that setting to do 20 minutes and be good top to bottom. I had gotten to that point by then because I moved to New York. So, like, the timing was good in that regard, too. Because, you know, the internet's such a here today gone tomorrow thing you got to be able to keep you know doing something when people come to see you you have to have an act
1: if he'd have broke two years earlier I'd be dead because I wouldn't have been with my wife and I'd have been on the road single and that would have absolutely killed me that's so, true yeah so it was, it was lucky for all of us the timing was perfect
0: now this is something we ask everybody so when you're on the road touring where does the south start where does it end what's what is the style oh, right uh so it ends in northern florida okay jackson
1: begins should we say okay we'll say yeah, it begins Yeah, it for not, sure it begins in northern florida and then kentucky i mean like once for me you- it goes up through central pennsylvania but skips
2: most of Maryland and all of Washington, D.C. See, I'll go around every time. There's parts of Maryland. Yeah. I said no, most I, of Maryland. We play, we play Bethesda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll drive. Right. Yeah, but
0: that's yeah. just... You know what? I have no idea how big Maryland is. Maybe it's most of Maryland. I just don't think... It goes so around the D.C. area. Like when Harriet Tubman and John Wilkes Booth are coming out of Maryland, you can't take Maryland out of the South. No, well, I they're guess
1: firm, when we're talking about. I spot. guess we're more talking about in terms of like the feel yeah. and who we see after the shows. Yeah, because none of those Maryland shows have we ever really run into what we call old boys. Yeah, and you know plenty of rednecks, plenty of rednecks, but not old boys. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if you project. I don't know that we actually know the difference. You know it when you see it. Yeah, well, they've be you know Canadian know I mean?
2: rednecks. We've met Washington rednecks, but an old boy—that's very much a Southern thing. And I mean, he's got that. Them. You
1: say you, can, you know, wish you were a good old boy. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And uh, then westerly, I definitely uh, include Texas, and personally, personally, and, yeah. Arkansas, okay. and uh, Well, we've actually only done the like no, the, the, the major e- oh, eastern yeah, part of Texas you know like we haven't done, been out to like El so Paso and so all that shit on it, yeah changed. yeah El Paso becomes the west yeah the west right yeah whereas a lot of the eastern part of Texas is very much the south in my opinion all of Arkansas and yeah, yeah Oklahoma. So in, in Oklahoma we do Kane's Ballroom so it really brings them out yeah. I'll yeah. give the Ozarks mm-hmm. too yeah what about Missouri that's what I'm saying yeah you're
2: counting I'm counting that Arkansas but Above that, no,
1: nah, that's the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, a great real Iowa.
2: Part of Kentucky's the Midwest. I yeah, think.
1: but the, but Lexington's pretty far up there, kinda, and like it's, it's you know, it Lexington it's pretty, has I think,
0: like <laughs> the further south you go, the lower your northern I mean also, I mean people in Alabama would say Tennessee these are SEC Alabama. towns too about. <laughs> like, if you they wouldn't would say you, that to me I'll tell, you, tell you that right now Alabama, the average not the average but if you ask some people in Alabama yeah, below you know, where the deep south starts it's definitely Louisiana Mississippi Alabama George.
2: Well, sure, the these south because yeah. that's that's who we shit on in Tennessee. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, we're not dumb fucking our cousins. That's what they do down there. Yeah. But East Tennessee. Somebody said that about y'all. We would.
1: We're smart. We fuck our smart. third cousins. Right.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, East Tennessee is its own thing. Uh, I mean, East Tennessee and Western Carolina are the southernmost part of the Appalachians. I guess part of northern Georgia. And uh, that's absolutely. Because
0: so I I was born in Memphis and then my dad folks come from um, the Nashville area. And I'll admit, when I first saw the liberal redneck videos, I thought, people in Tennessee don't sound like that, but I, East Tennessee sounds different than that. The Black Belt sounds different than Birmingham and all that stuff. I think we're closer culturally and probably sound to West Virginia
2: yeah. than they
1: are in Yeah, I don't even know. I'm like,
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: In my opinion, yeah.
2: yeah. West Virginia and Texas are both the South and their own thing individually.
1: Nobody really can tell where I'm from, and I guess that's I grew up right, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama. I was gonna say I think I don't. I think my I know that my accent is a little bit unique, like in my hometown, especially, and I think it makes it like kind of sort of its own thing or something because like in my hometown no bullshit I got made fun of for like Talking proper, they call it, you know what I mean, like like mm-hmm. being like talking fancy or whatever, yeah. and like because there people in my hometown, extensively, it was that, but it was I'm, I've told y'all before, like a lot of ostensibly. not everybody, right. get some dip, like, not everybody, a lot of people in my hometown, but really talk this, oh, yes. like this, man, you I know, know like, yeah. 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 and like so, no, uh, so I think mine's like. I
0: don't know well, kind of probably, its own thing or maybe mine
2: talks like you know yeah. when he gets drunk I mean he talks like me. he's a
0: different bird yeah, that's true and my accent gets thicker when I talk to my grandfather or when I get drunk yeah like, mine what about drunk. when you get drunk with your grandfather when I get <laughs> drunk with my grandfather it gets real thick yeah. <laughs> and I just start speaking unintelligibly. everything gets thick when you drink
2: with your grandfather you said though the way you asked that question is West Virginia part of it because they seceded they didn't yeah. secede they did. seceded
0: from the south yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't yeah. Seceded, yeah. They broke everybody
1: <laughs> West Virginia. <laughs> yeah. East Tennessee very nearly did the same yeah, thing yeah. because of the, and it's for the same reason, it's because of the mountains. man, mm-hmm. yeah, right. had plantations and shit because they're in the mountains, so.
2: And if you didn't have fucking plantations and shit, it was a bad deal. <laughs>
0: right, right, yeah. Yeah, they were just sending you off to die right. for nothing. Right. Man's right. Uh, y'all talk about a lot of super serious shit racism and. Opioid addiction and stuff like that. There's a Jason Isbell line, an outfit about uh, don't act like your family's a joke. Yeah. How do you walk that line? You know, I mean, you you personally joke about your mom. Yeah.
1: Addiction. She. Uh, well, if you've ever met my mom or my sister, like you can't. I mean, there it'd be bit disingenuous for me not to. Talk yeah. <laughs> about like that But like it's so where my mom goes yeah I know I, I never fucked up relationship with my mom you know she was a drug addict she wasn't around a lot of time. like it, you know and I'm a comedian and the way I deal with any kind of shitty situation is to joke about it or whatever and then so it's the same with my mom but for the record my mom and she ended up not being able to come I think because you know somebody got arrested or something I don't know but she was going to be here tonight initially with some people who had never seen me before and she told me make sure you tell some mama jokes yeah. or whatever because I'm bringing friends I want them so you talk about making jokes about me being a pill head but like I'm saying not, no, no, she like is she like requesting yeah, two, one, four, she asked me specifically, like, you're going you're gonna to do them jokes about me tonight, right? Cause, you know, whatever. So, like, if, if it was, even given our history, if it was a major, like, problem with her or whatever, I'd at least scale it back some, I think. But she thinks it's hilarious. So, to with it... Have there been
0: any jokes where you scaled it back later? With your mom no, or no, family's concerned? Just, I mean, you know, like, when you're joking about gay marriage or whatever, anything where you think, like... I, walk, I went too far that time and
1: don't do that one again for an I Sometimes I've had, and I can't think of a good example, but I know that it happens, I, and I know this has happened to all of us, for sure. <laughs> I'll have a line or a joke that I think is funny and also is, like, kind of true to life, but it's something that is, like, making fun of uh, Salina or Tennessee or the South or all of the above or whatever, and I'll do it in, like not the South, like I'll do it in San Francisco or something like that, and I'll think to myself, like, ah, I kind of wish I hadn't even said that, yeah, it <laughs> it's like I'm playing right into what they think, even though I'm, like, joking or whatever, and so I, you know, I've had that happen before, and a lot of times I'll stop saying it or say it a different way or qualify right. it or whatever. Are there I, jokes you only
0: do in the South and jokes you don't do in California? Yes, yeah. but it's the opposite of what most people expect.
2: I was trying to find a tweet by Silas House who said something. He's a novelist out of Kentucky who said something about, you know, if we're writing about Appalachia, let's write about it honestly, the warts and all, the other day because there's like this backlash against writing shitty, cliche, everybody's a hillbilly stuff. Uh, yeah. But he was talking about how it swung the other way where now we're pretending like we don't have problems and right. warts to right. be honest. So that's my first answer to your question about how do you handle that. But what you are just talking about, I found myself especially the first year of the tour, I would. Make fun of liberals and that whole culture that we're all involved in in San Francisco and go harder on my uncle, my grandfather, my brother, who, you know, was in prison related to pills in the South because when they laughed, in my mind, they're laughing at their own family members. Like, if I'm here in Alabama and I'm making a joke, there's a joke that I have that I'm actually going to do the second show tonight that I haven't done in a while because I have some friends coming. I want them to hear it. There's a part of it that I added a tag for the album in this very room. I was talking about, and I said something about... um, the joke is about uh um, county fairs. And I said that's what we have in the South instead of museums. Yeah, yeah. I hate doing that joke outside of the South. Yeah. And like I won't do it like in Portland or whatever. Sometimes I find myself doing it in Ohio and I hear the laugh and I'm like and then I wrote a tag there, I was like, man, fuck y'all for laughing at that. Fucking museums, goddammit. You know, so yeah, I change jokes or do different ones, but maybe in the way you don't expect I do more, you know. I like gay people jokes in the South and I do less of that in San Francisco because fuck those
1: people I have a similar I have a similar uh, there's a line in one of my it's a setup of the joke the line itself is not particularly funny however depending on where I am it gets a different reaction We're basically I just say so I spent seven days on the beach with only Southerners and when I'm here, or anywhere in the South, it's always like, whoosh, you? And then I go on to be like, no, that's you're right, that's exactly who I want to be on the beach, but when I'm it's somewhere else, like Portland or San Francisco, and I go, so I spent seven days on the beach with only Southerners, and the crowd's like, ooh, uh, uh, and then the joke, it will never happen here, but I always end up doing what kind of he does, like, hold on, fuck you, that's just a set-up, you don't know where I'm going with this. Also, those are the best goddamn people to ever, but it, the joke ends up staying the same, but here it's a celebration, everybody's on it there it's a me explaining to them that that wasn't supposed to be a negative statement that came out of my mouth right. i'm excited about that but it just changes from city to city the inflection the words never change but the inflection is more pointed when i'm in san francisco
0: yeah. your book came out in what 2016 yeah how is your impression of everything that you wrote about then changed in the last three years is anything is there anything that you, you think we have regrets no i just i mean you know yeah. The world is a very different place than it was in 2016. So what's it look like now to y'all? I mean, is there anything you would change? So, since we're in Alabama, you know the
2: line in Alabama, and we were support, we couldn't tell. Yeah, it's not that we were support, but do I feel any different? No, because we knew like the way I see the world now is pretty much exactly how I saw it. Sure. Like, it, Trump, I know, changed a lot of people's perspective, and and like a lot of people, are like, holy shit, I didn't know X was Y. Yeah, nah, man, I you know, like, yeah. I was surprised he won because I didn't think like people from here would vote for like a silver spoon rich guy, yeah. but but I'm not, you know, no, I feel the, the same way I felt about the world. I regret the title
1: yeah no, I agree with all that so you know there's the whole chapter on race and like I said I felt like we very much in that chapter tried to again acknowledge the problems that we have but while also saying the rest of y'all acting like you don't have these problems is bullshit you know and like I definitely still feel that way but since then has been like the the whole, the, the very public rise of the Nazis and the tiki torches and Charlottesville and all that but even that though I still feel in that same ballpark about that shit because I A I think that's overblown and everything. You know, I don't think there's more of those guys in the South now than there were you know, years ago. It's just they're, they're louder and meaner and getting more attention, I think, because they know that they're on the way out and have Twitter and everything. And also, a lot of those guys that go to those rallies and stuff aren't from the South, uh, period. But it get just like everything always does when it comes to this shit. It gets very much painted as what the South is up to again. You know what I mean? And like... So that's not a difference in opinion that I have, but it's something that is like more uh, prominent now than it was when we wrote the book that I would, I guess, expand on a little more maybe. I
2: would say too, and this is a personal thing, I don't know if Trey or Corey agree with me. I would say that I have, and I don't know if this is because, I don't think this is because of Trump. I think this is actually because of the Democratic Party. I, I wish that I would have done more research personally on, especially some of the specific chapters I wrote, on the connection of money. And sort of how it, like, so I wrote the one on religion, for example, and I don't, I I believe in everything as far as I remember what I wrote in there, but I wish I would have, like, wrote more about how, like, you know, just fucking money corrupts and, uh, you know, hey, Bernie Sanders, anyway, go ahead.
0: Uh, And, and, I mean, money and religion have gotten so much more obviously tied up in each other.
2: Well, I I mean, I always knew that, but I think what I'm getting at is that uh, I've become someone who is observing capitalism as it currently exists in this country in terms of how many lobbyists and how many, uh, I guess, special interests not only have a role in what's going on now, but, I mean, going back to the opioid epidemic and all the stuff in there that we wrote about that, like, I knew... But I, did, I feel like I'm just now I'm starting to put together just how planned out shit like that is by companies. Yeah. You know, like they literally wanted to get everyone hooked to make
0: money. I wish I'd have said more about that in every chapter. Yeah. some of that, I mean, there was the big lawsuit that they had to settle with, like the state of Kentucky, right? And yeah. And wouldn't have known that three years ago. Right.
1: right. We were given such a wild time crunch for that book and I'm so proud of what we did and I, what I know we pulled off to be something I'm extremely proud of but yeah echoing what he just said I mean just let's say using the white uh, sauce just for example sure, sure. I do I think about it all the time and think oh man I wish that maybe not like a complete sequel book but if there was a way I could if we could do just an, a, addendum? an addendum like hey here's a little pamphlet to go along with this for each chapter of, like here's something I wish I'd spent more time on here's something maybe honestly I got wrong I was a lot. I was way more of a visceral human being. Like when we wrote that, I was in a. Uh, I'm a happier guy now, yeah. and I'm a more calm guy. And I'm a guy who has thought about a lot of things and um, can truly look at both sides of something better now. Now, some of the things I was super visceral about, I will never budge on, and I'll. Be, I'm probably more visceral about them now, but I do think. Like I, well I mean shit, trans rights and, and gay rights and stuff sure. like that's not going away and matter of fact the the longer it goes on the more mad I get because of the more ridiculous it is and and things like that and religious overreach and like you said the opioid epidemic and just how insanely terrible and it's like things that I knew but like I wish I could go in and go let me expand on this a little bit because I you know I hope you don't think I' glossed over it because I, I didn't mean yeah, to yeah, yeah. but like you know that's just that's just how it is and we could we could do that and then a year later I'd want to write another one yeah you know, because it's a fluid situation and, uh, and which is, that's one, that was one of the hardest things about putting that in print is that with a joke, you know, if if you start doing the joke and then you decide you feel another way, okay, hey, I'll rewrite the joke or I'll add this tag to the joke and the joke's always growing. That book was done, boom, and that's it, forever. I mean, I
0: was shocked, honestly, at how, like, in depth and thought provoking it was. I expected just like no, I'm
1: I'm, I'm proud. Good. We've been uh, publicly critical of our publisher and stuff since the book has come out. You know, there was some bullshit that went went down there. Sure. And everything. But like, definitely really critical
2: of But I God. do
1: have to give them credit on that particular front because we told them like before they ever signed the deal or anything, we told them we we're like, look, y'all, like, there's a lot of topics that we are going to cover here that like you need to understand are gonna get pretty fucking dark yeah, they're not really serious really like, funny like the opioid thing, racist so all, just all that we're like we can't do this in a way that's like flipping or just making jokes about it like we're really gonna it's gonna get dark in places and they were like okay great yeah. we're cool with it and they were cool with it and I so. think that
2: connects to the question you asked earlier about making those jokes and stuff like that you know when we're on stage and we make jokes about the opioid epidemic, or, like, you know, Trey makes a joke about his mom, it's like, it's like look, quick setup, here's the punchline, here's a story that happened, isn't that funny? But, but we were doing a, a book, I and mean, we had to be fair to ourselves, to our families. Each chapter is a one man show about that. Yes, to our region.
1: Yeah.
2: And so with, you know, the opioid crisis, I keep coming, coming back to that. With religion, my dad's a preacher, it had to be not just jokes. It had to be serious you know and then again going back to the other thing you asked about leaving it on the table I I guess I just wish we had left more Blame at the foot of the powers that be, sure. but we tried. I mean, we did try. Yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess what would really be neat is if we just went back and did the book exactly as it is, but we all switched chapters and didn't go back and read the I mean, other one. Had, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'll, I'll do. I'll do opioid shit this time, and, and you know. We I, mean, I read your chapters. <laughs> I, no, I no, I mean, I read them when they, I'm saying don't go back and reread it for our research for this. Like, go in as fresh as we can. Like, remove from
0: what we did first. Well, thank you all for taking yeah. the time and um, everybody. Who Who's listening should go read this book and check everything else out at uh,
1: wellreadcomedy.com well w e l l r e d comedy.com spelled just like our critically acclaimed podcast that you can get on iTunes Spotify Stitcher and everywhere you get your podcast